0: Welcome to Wake Up With Marcy, a talk show with heart. First up, we have the legendary Hollywood icon, Golden Globe, and seven-time Emmy nominee Ed Begley Jr. He's here to talk about his new memoir, To the Temple of Tranquility, and step on it. Get ready to dive into the extraordinary life of this talented actor, his family legacy, and the fascinating stories of his famous Hollywood friends. Joining us next is the talented actress and author, Stephanie Shostak. You may recognize her from films like A Million Little Things and Iron Man 3. Stephanie will be sharing her personal story of her mental health journey and how she's helping today through her book. Lastly, we meet Danelle Danigan, president and founder of the Hollywood Museum. Danelle will be sharing the excitement of celebrating the museum's 20-year anniversary and giving us a sneak peek into some of the current exhibits. Welcome back to Wake Up With Marcy. Thank you for joining me today. We are right in the middle of the holiday season, and this can be a challenging time for those facing mental health issues or supporting loved ones who do. The pressure to feel connected, understood, and fulfilled can sometimes lead to disappointment, feelings of isolation, and waves of depression. But here are ways to manage these holiday blues and prioritize self-care during this time. I want to share these steps to help you to get through the season and ensure your well-being remains a top priority. So step one, know and respect your limits. Recognize what you can handle emotionally, mentally, and physically during the holidays. Step two, create boundaries. Set clear boundaries with family, friends, and loved ones. Step three, avoid known triggers. Identify the situations, people, or activities that tend to trigger negative emotions or stress. Step four, find ways to give back. Engaging in acts of kindness and giving can be incredibly fulfilling and uplifting. Step five, be extra giving to yourself. Treat yourself with kindness, compassion, and self-love. Remember, self-care is not selfish. It is essential for your well-being, especially during the holiday season. By prioritizing self-care, setting boundaries, and being mindful of your triggers, you can navigate the holidays with greater ease and find moments of peace and joy. We will now meet Ed Begley Jr., author of The Temple of Tranquility and Step on It, actor and environmentalist. Welcome to the show, Ed.
1: Marcy, it's so good being on with you.
0: Thank you, thank you. First of all, I want to talk about the cover of your book. Congratulations! And thank you. Where, where did this picture come from? And tell us real quick about the uh, the title.
1: It's a headshot. That picture is a headshot. What an actor uses to get a job from 1972, I believe. The publisher somehow found it on the internet. We did not submit that book to them. <laughs> I'm sorry, we did not submit that picture for the book cover to them. They found it and we fought them. We said, no, it doesn't. I don't look anything like that. That's just going to confuse people. And they finally relented. You know, we finally relented and said, go ahead and use it. And what they reasoned was most of the book is about that guy, not this guy. So
0: I like that. They were
1: right to do it. Yeah, it's kind of more about him than me.
0: And how is the quest seeking that uh, tranquility?
1: It's pretty good. The joke of the title, of course, you can't rush tranquility. It has to happen in its own time. And you certainly can't rush it with a bottle of Stolichnaya or pills or some other substance. You know, it, it comes that way. It's, it wouldn't be called tranquility, it'd be called numbness.
0: Exactly. So I tried
1: to numb things for a while and it's much better to do it the old fashioned way with meditation and uh, just being still.
0: I've learned that myself, Ed, and thank you for being so open and honest in your book. So let's talk about your father. He played a big role in you, you deciding to become an actor. But in the book, you write that your career did not start out on a fast track by any means. So can you share with us about that?
1: Not at all. My dad made it look so easy. He was an Academy Award winning actor, Tony Award winning actor, wonderful father, good in every way. But he made it look so easy. I thought, well, I can do that. I'm charming. Mm -hmm. Get me a TV series. I didn't want just one episode. I wanted to be on a series, as a series regular. I had no training. Imagine the son of a plumber saying, well, I can do that. I'll hop on the plumber's truck today, and I'll do that. I'll plumb that whole house with copper pipe. You kind of use a little heat or something, I seem to think, right? (laughs) Right. You have to train, and I finally trained, and then I started to get some work. I worked first on a show called My Three Sons in 1967. But I was still so delusional. I literally thought the phone was going to start ringing off the hook now that I was on one episode of one show with one scene. And it didn't work like that. You have to begin to study even more and learn more and put yourself out there and network and do all those things one needs to do. And I also had no idea how fortunate I was to have my father to open the door to the business. I had to get the parts myself. He didn't hand me any of that. But I by open the door, I mean people would remember your name. Ed Begley Jr., Rob Reiner, Liza Minnelli. They remember you because of your parent or some other relative in the business. And so because of that, I had recognition right away. And two, and more importantly, they would be relaxed and very amiable in the interview, in the job interview. Let's
0: talk about your family members, including your mom. So you were saying that they turned out not to be your family members, and there were some early home... You know secrets in your life. What what are you sharing about there? What are you talking about?
1: I don't mean to get into stereotypes, where the Irish are known for the drinking and sometimes their deception about family matters. And our, our Irish family was certainly one of them. Turned out, my mother, who died when I was seven, the woman who raised me to age seven before she died, was not my mother. That was my stepmother. Mm. And we knew none of that. Everybody in the neighborhood but us knew who. Our mother was a woman called Sandy that we would see a few times a year at Grand Central Station or elsewhere. She'd give us a gift of a bo- box of Lincoln Logs or something or a, an Easter basket. And my sister and I were both crazy about it. There's something about that woman we just loved. It turned out that was our mom. And I got to know her, another gift, you know, that mm-hmm. I didn't fully appreciate. I had a, a mom who was, uh, you know, I thought dead. And then one day when I was 15 and a half and I got my driver's license, I finally saw my birth certificate, and I now I had a, a mother of the live variety. Not not a bad yeah. day, I'd say all in all. So I learned to be grateful for the things that were a big plus, and that was one of them. And we had a very good relationship till she passed in nineteen ninety eight.
0: How did you feel about that, though? How did it really affect you?
1: I was understandably shocked and felt a bit betrayed because everybody, all the neighbors, and All the other relatives, everybody, but my sister and I knew what was what. So I felt betrayed. I suppose that's natural, but I also got into kind of a victim mode about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, look what
1: happened to me, and I'll never recover from that. Let me numb these feelings. I'll steal some pills from the medicine chest, some second-all, some sleeping pills, and numb that way, then later smoke a lot of dope, and then later start drinking and get to the point where I'm drinking a quart of vodka every day and taking pills and operating a vehicle. I don't Mm -hmm. recommend any of that.
0: Yeah. I can relate to your story a bit, Ed. Um, I, I myself, I I just celebrated eight years of sobriety and it was actually a DUI that brought me to my knees. Yeah. So thank you for, you know, it's being open and honest uh, that helps others so much. And being that you're so open in your book, there's a story that you talk about and that's with John Belushi that he tried to help you. How did he help you or how did he try?
1: He and his wife, Judy, not only tried, but did help me. You know, John is known for certain things that occurred at the end of his life, but I know him as a great comedian, a great friend who was a sobering influence on me. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean, I was drinking so much on this movie we were doing called Going South. I was sitting there at the El Presidente Hotel drinking a volume uh, of liquor that was not at all sustainable or healthy. And he and Judy dragged me out of the bar there and took me around to see some sights in the beautiful town of Durango and the surrounding countryside. And they they saved me, literally. So John mm-hmm. Belushi saved me from practicing my addiction.
0: Sometimes when <clears throat> when you actually come to your knees or that rock bottom or somebody, you know, make that decision, it's been thought of for a long time. You know, it's a, it's a long yeah. road to get to the place where you finally succumb to your addiction.
1: Um, yeah, I thought about it, and now that you you mentioned, I thought about it as far back in 1971 when I really started drinking heavily. I did it intentionally. I wanted to be an alcoholic. I thought it would make me a better actor. I looked at those wonderful British actors I admired, Peter O'Toole, yeah. and, you know, all those, Oliver Reed, you know, and, uh, you know, just all the British actors. Tony Hopkins, who many years ago got sober, of course, but uh, mm-hmm. just Many of the British actors were known for their drinking, so I thought, well, I don't have time to go to RADA, nor do I even want to take the time and actually study the way they did. I thought it was all about the drinking,
0: right? Glamorized it, whatever
1: I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Richard Burton. Oh, great! I'll I'll drink a quart of vodka or something, and I'll be like Richard Burton. It doesn't quite work that way. So I set out to be an alcoholic, and sadly, I got my way.
0: Yeah, uh, there's definitely a slippery slope there. So let's talk about. Marlon Brando, you were friends with Marlon Brando. And can you tell us about the project that he proposed to you that ended up being something totally different than what you thought it was going to be?
1: Well, I knew the ground rules with Marlon Brando after the first time I was up there. I knew what he did not want to talk about. He didn't want to talk about acting, writing, directing, you know, puppetry, claymation, train seals, anything to do with show business. Didn't want to talk about it. He did want to talk about solar panels, wind turbines, you know, growing algae as mm-hmm. food, you know, wave energy, drywall, plumbing. He just liked all that kind of mechanical stuff and, yeah. and environmental stuff. So one day I get a call from him that I thought changed the whole, the whole scenario. I get a call from him saying he's got a project he wants to work on with me and he has all the financing in place and distribution. Sounds like a movie to me, right, Marcy?
0: Right, absolutely. So I drive
1: up there. So tell me what's going on. Ed, do you know how many eels and electric, how many volts an electric eel puts out? He says, no, I have no idea. I said, <laughs> well, about a couple hundred volts and a half and a half but We're going to power every home in America. I said, mm-hmm. power it with what? He said, with electric eels. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? How are you going to harness the energy? Harness being an appropriate word in this case. You're going to put a little harness like a cartoon seahorse on the eels and have all the wires tangled. To get electricity and it's only for a short second they stun their prey and it doesn't it's not like sustained energy at a couple hundred volts, it's very quick and it's done. Uh, How are you gonna? And he was like, you know, why is everything no with you? He was very
0: derisive. Yeah, yeah, it, it changed <laughs> the trajectory work. of your life, right?
1: Exactly.
0: There's something you reveal in your book, and that is that you're living with Parkinson's. Has that been difficult for you? Was it difficult to talk about?
1: It was very difficult to talk about. It was difficult when it first started to manifest itself in 2004, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what it was. I wasn't really shaking much then. I was doing a little bit slight, what they call pilling. Like, imagine I'm trying to hold a pill now. I'm manufacturing the look now, and your fingers go like that. It didn't happen often, but it happened. But all this other stuff happened. lost a lot of balance, sense of balance, taste of smell, and, and my sense of taste is... You know, my sense of smell, mm. my sense of taste. Mm-hmm. And so I was starting to slur my words too a bit. And that, But I didn't know what it was. I thought I had a brain lesion. And I, of course, did not. And finally, 2016, I finally went to a speech therapist because things had gotten so bad. I needed some help. After one session, she said, this guy's got Parkinson's and he doesn't yeah. even know it. So she called up my doctor and said, I don't see it on his chart. It's Parkinson's treatments. Where is he getting treatment? They went, we didn't know we hadn't figured that out yet. So um, from 2016 to now, I've been diagnosed to know that I have it. But this is the way it can be in 2023.
0: Yeah. Wow. As That's incredible. you can incredible. see, I'm fairly
1: steady. You That's are. What it's like today. If you do... I'm very, very lucky. I do all this stuff. The neurologist says, and for extra credit, my wonderful wife, and I have to give her credit for extra credit, besides the medicines, the AMA-sanctioned medicines, I'm doing glutathione, hyperbaric chamber, something mm. called NAD, stem cells, the stem cell of America. I'm doing all this different stuff that's also helping. So um, I'm very lucky that I have a wife that pursues things like that and do do the proper medicine when it's appropriate, then do other stuff that's more holistic.
0: Well, I hope you are helping to educate others because that's amazing that that has happened for you and you found a way to help yourself. So Truly amazing, Ed. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming on Wake Up With Marcy. Do you have a book tour going on? What What's happening with the book?
1: I do. I've been going all over. I went to New York and back. I went to Portland, Oregon and back. I'm going to go to, uh, let's see, I'm going to go to Palm Springs very soon. Look for uh,
0: Look for the tour on the website. So Ed, again, thank you so much for your honesty, your vulnerability, and for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Later in the show, we will meet actress Stephanie Shostak. She is also an author and sharing her mental health journey. And Danelle Dadigan, the founder of the Hollywood Museum and host of the weekly radio show, Hollywood's Hidden Treasures. I will now speak with actress and author Stephanie Shostak. She has appeared in films such as A Million Little Things and Iron Man 3. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Marcy. So we're going to be talking about your book, Selfish. And tell us about that title, because what does that mean, selfish? And what are you sharing in your book? So
3: selfish is a different kind of selfish. It's got an exclamation point and a little crown on it. And it's really about prioritizing your own well-being every day um, before connecting with the rest of the world. Um, And the way I do that is by looking at my own playbook that I created. Now, I'm not giving you my own playbook. This is um, actually a workbook. It's interactive. It's for you to create your own playbook for life.
0: So tell us what we can do to actually help ourselves do that.
3: Well, so what what I found was I was on this journey of learning skills and practices that helped me, Uh, but my challenge was how do I remember all of Mm -hmm. these? And they could be things from therapy. They could be things from books. They could be something my dad said. Um, we can, we, we have support from many different. Sources um, we can listen to a meditation app where we get a a great tip, and my challenge was that how do I bring all these things together and not only remember them but actually practice them in my daily life and so I created a playbook, I call it a playbook, just like athletes have playbooks or businesses have playbooks with their strategies. Uh, I created a playbook on my phone it's an album, and it has my chosen uh, words and images that mm-hmm. help me in life. And I um, look at it every day to um, just to keep those good thoughts top of mind so that right. you know, I can access them in a moment of stress or so yeah. that I reinforce them and they become more habitual with time.
0: So talking about creating a playbook, how can we do that for career or hobbies, skills, or any of our interests?
3: So the book that I wrote, Selfish, is actually a workbook, and it will guide you through eight exercises of self-reflection. Uh, you, you will be asked questions that are not too intimidating. Sometimes it's hard to look at our own life and answer big questions such as, who am I? We we broke it down here. For example, asking you, what are some of your greatest achievements? And that can be hard to answer. So we broke it down even further. Um, and each answer to um, – and you'll, you'll look at all the buckets of your life, professional, personal, uh, spiritual, if you want. And uh, all the answers to the exercises will feed the content for your playbook. This is my journey of healing, If um, and, and they're all exercises that I've uh, benefited from that were given to me by coaches, by therapists. Uh, they are – based in positive psychology. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not a mental health professional, but I created this workbook with a mental health organization called Give an Hour. Mm. And mental health professionals looked at all the exercises. We crafted the science behind it.
0: Overcoming imposter syndrome, let me tell you, this is a big one. How do we do that through your mindset makeover?
3: So what I've, for me, what I've learned is I'm probably not going to overcome it, but I'm going to learn to deal with it. Um, and I can do that. It's not just one thing, but I can do that through practicing healthy self-talk, through reminding me of uh, the hard work that I've done, that I'm prepared, reminding me myself that I'm not supposed to have it all figured out. Uh, I am learning. I am growing. And that usually when I do feel imposter syndrome is when I'm actually pushing myself to do something new, something maybe Mm -hmm. swim in waters that are not so comfortable for me. And and that's good. That's an opportunity to to grow.
0: It is. And it's so true. Whenever I'm fearful or, you know, pushing myself outside of my limits of what I'm comfortable with, that's really when that creeps in. But there is Mm -hmm. so much growth in it. So it sounds like you have so many incredible steps through your book, Selfish, and so many ways that can help us. And we need these daily reminders. We need to add routine into our lives to shift the way that we that we are thinking. And it sounds to me that this is a pretty good playbook to, to help us uh, incorporate that into our lives. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Marcy. Next, we meet Danelle Dadigan, the founder of the Hollywood Museum and host of the weekly radio show, Hollywood's Hidden Treasures. We now meet Danelle Dadigan, the president and founder of the Hollywood Museum and host of the weekly radio show, Hollywood's Hidden Treasures. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Marcy. How are
0: you? I am great. I'm so excited to have you on the show and talk about the Hollywood Museum. Well, I'm thrilled to be here with you today. And 20 years, you're celebrating the museum's 20-year anniversary. How does that feel?
2: Well, you know, I have to say, thank goodness this is a passion for me. You know, it's, it's been quite a journey, quite a road. And the best part of all is I did not travel it alone. Uh, I had so many great friends, uh, great electeds and great influential people who believed in this mission and this passion. Absolutely. So share with us a little bit about the Hollywood Museum.
0: What are we going to find there?
2: Well, you know, I have to say, first of all, thanks to Hollywood's honorary mayor, Johnny Grant, the man who gave away the stars for decades until his passing. If it wasn't for Johnny Grant, you know, (laughs) I think I would have probably uh, decided to do something different and sell the building and move on to the next deal uh, that I would do. But thanks to Johnny Grant, I had such fun. Uh, It was like a treasure hunt every day. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm just thrilled that we had this opportunity to purchase the Max Factor building, and so many of your viewers will recognize the name Max Factor. He was originally Hollywood's makeup king, but he uh, really provided makeup to women all around the world for decades and still does so. And it's in the Max Factor building that we purchased for the Hollywood Museum where the world famous makeup rooms are. So when you come to visit us today at the Hollywood Museum, you can see the restored makeup rooms where Marilyn Monroe became a blonde. Lucille mm. Ball got her red hair. Incredible. The brunettes only room. The only room. Hundreds of costumes, even automobiles on the second and third floor from your favorite movies and TV shows. And in our lower level, that used to be a bowling alley and speakeasy during Prohibition Days. Oh, I like that. (laughs) His brother, Jake the Barber, ran. Uh, But today it's everything creepy and down there. And, you know, we've even got Hannibal Lecter's Jail Cell and the Jail Cell Corridor and so many of your favorites that make you just, you know, just, just, Creepy, crawly, perfect time for thank, uh, for Thanksgiving, for Halloween. Uh, and uh, Thanksgiving that we made it through Halloween because yeah. I get frightened every time I go down to the lower level.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, let's talk about like some top three exhibits that you have.
2: Well, that's like asking a mother, you know, who's her favorite <laughs> child? Yeah. I will tell you that I think our most popular exhibits uh, uh, are... Uh, the world of Max Factor and his makeup and how he made all the glamorous movie stars from the golden era, gave them their looks. Uh, also, we have got, uh, of course, Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe. I'm counting all that as one. Uh, the next one would probably be the Transformers exhibit. Uh, and I have to say, even though I'm going to just kind of lump in there, we've got a fabulous exhibit from Eva Langoria's newest film, uh, Flamin' Hot, the story of how the janitor who discovered what Flamin' Hot Cheetos were and his move from the broom closet to the boardroom and, of course, our lower level where we have Hannibal Lecter's jail cell.
0: Janelle, thank you so much for coming on Wake Up With Marcy. And I cannot wait myself to visit the Hollywood Museum. And congratulations on 20 years.
2: Oh, thank you so much. And, Marcy, when you come to Hollywood, I will give you the tour personally. I look forward to meeting you.
0: I think I'll be there the beginning of December, so I'm going to reach out.
2: (laughs) Please do. Please do.
0: All right, Danelle. Thank you again for coming on Wake Up.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Remember what I said earlier in the show. Take care of yourself. Embrace self-compassion. And remember that you are not alone. The holiday season can be challenging, but with self-care, you can find strength and resilience. Wishing you a season of self-care and well-being. If you would like to know more about today's guest, please check out wakeupwithmarcy.com. Join my Facebook community Chaos to Clarity: Seeing the Signs and Breaking the Cycles. Please keep in touch with me on social media. Also check out wakeupwithmarcy.com for next week's guest, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. See you next week.